Thank you. Before we begin, we have a new commissioner, and I would like to introduce herself and give us a few comments about her background. They can't hear you. We can't, can't hear you. Um, commissioner, is your microphone on? can't log in so we can't be heard okay. Alicia, um, again welcome yes. to the Commission on Aging and Adult Services we have a new commissioner and I would like yes. her to introduce herself and just give us a few comments about her background cool. good morning and I'm very happy to be here I'm always introduced myself as my name is Felicia Elizondo I'm also known as Felicia flames I am an activist and entertainer a uh, historian, a trailblazer, a tenderloin queen, a pioneer, a legend, an icon, a diva, a 32-year survivor of AIDS, and I'm a Vietnam War veteran. And I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome, Commissioner. Okay, um, will the Secretary please take the um, roll call? President Gustavo Serena. Here. Vice President Katie Liu. Here. Commissioner Felicia Elizondo. Here. Commissioner Martha Knudsen. Here. Commissioner Michael Pappas. Here. Commissioner Teddy Brijes. Here. And please note that Deputy Director Cindy Coffin is present. At this time, the commission asks that you silence all mobile phones and all other sound producing devices. Thank you. Um, may I have a motion to approve the agenda? So moved. Do I have a second? Thank you. Um, any, any discussion? All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Thank you. The motion carries. May I have a motion to approve the February 15, 2019 meeting minutes? So moved. Thank you. Do I have a second? Second. Thank you. Any comments or questions? Any comments or changes from the public? Hearing none, call the question. All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Thank you. The motion carries. Next item, item four reports. Welcome, Cindy Kaufman. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Serena, and welcome, Commissioner Elizondo. Um, I just have a few updates since last, since last commission meeting. As many of you know, Director McSpadden is in D.C. for a policy briefing with the N4A, which is the National Association of Area Agencies on Aging. Say that one really fast three times. Um, this is an opportunity for legislators to hear N4A's key areas of policy focus, as well as provide members with their own thoughts and ideas. One of the areas of focus for N4A this year is the Older Americans Act. The Older Americans Act authorization expires at the end of fiscal year 2019. N4A will work with policymakers and stakeholders to update its reauthorization. I'm not sure everyone is familiar with the Older Americans Act. It was first signed into law in 1965 by President Johnson as part of an, in, an initiative aimed at eliminating poverty and injustice among the country's older population. It remains critical given our growing demographic. In a nutshell, it allows aging in place through a variety of services like meals, caregiver support, job training, community centers, and the like. It provides for local flexibility, which is vital for providing needed services, and it helps older caregivers. For the reauthorization, N4A recommendations are structured around the following core principles. One is to meet consumers where they are, to protect the local fo focus and flexibility of the act. 
um, their meat growing needs by increasing investments. They're looking for a 23% increase to restore service capacity of the aging network that has been that has been lost since 2010. This will bring it to a baseline of $2.5 billion. They're also looking to foster innovations in service delivery with new research and de demonstration, expansion of Title VI Native American Aging Services, enhancing the Act's ability to address high-need populations, and innovations to expand access to consumers. And finally, they're looking to ease the administrative barriers in order to increase access to services. They want Congress to enact additional flexibilities to allow AAAs, <clears throat> excuse me, to address administrative burdens and enable them to better address the needs of their local service areas. I am sure Director McSpadden will provide highlights when she returns. Similar to the policy briefing in DC, this last week was capital day for C4A, which is the California Association of Area Agencies on Aging. Um, the morning was spent getting updates from a variety of speakers with legislative visits scheduled in the afternoon. The speaker list included assembly, mem assembly member Nazarene, who is the chair of the Assembly Aging and Long-Term Care Committee. He is truly a champion, champion of aging and long-term care issues. For that day, he has many bills, but they focused on three of his bills. One is AB 1136, which establishes the Department of Community Living. Currently, several departments serve older adults and adults with disabilities, often, and they're often criticized for being fragmented. This bill creates a new department that will be more streamlined with a coordinated delivery care system. It will also be able to work across state agencies on behalf of older adults and people with disabilities. The second bill was AB 1137, which is legislation to modernize the Older Californians Act, which to, in order to reflect the changing population and emerging, emerging service delivery needs. The Older Californians Act focuses on age demographics as opposed to solely on need. And there's some archaic language in there that they wanna clean up as well. AB 1287 establishes the master plan of aging of an aging California that implements a no wrong door system to assist older adults and persons with disabilities. So in addition to assembly member Nazarene, um, the chief deputy director of budget, Vivek, and I'm going to totally destroy his name, this Viswanathan was also there along with Jackie Borochito, fiscal and policy analyst for the Legislative Analyst Office, Mariva Brown, policy analyst in the Office of the President Pro Tem, Tony Atkins, and Richard Figueroa, Deputy Cabinet Se Secretary in the Governor's Office. Almost all of the speakers emphasized the Governor's commitment to a master plan on aging, which was really good to hear. They acknowledged there's no funding right now, but the focus was on getting the right people in the room so that they can have a robust stakeholder input. They recognized the need for it to be person-centered with better consolidated, coordinated services. They stated time again that it is the beginning of the process, then they can look at the recommendations that come forward and then de develop a budget based on the needs of, of the recommendations. There was also mention of the Alzheimer's Prevention and Preparedness Task Force, which Maria Shriver will lead. Um, the focus of that task force will be on research, and the expectation is that it will start relatively soon. 
So there will be more to come in all of these areas, and you will get updates from Diane Lawrence, who is um, in charge of our joint legislative uh, committee. So more to come as, as the, the dates go forward. And finally, I have a couple updates closer to home. First, a draft of the service and allocation plan, which is part of the Dignity Fund four-year planning cycle, was released last Friday. It is posted on our website. If any of you care to, to see it, we can also send you hard copies if you'd like a copy. I have to give a huge thank you to staff for pulling this together. It was a Herculean effort, and I think they did a phenomenal job. Um, and last but not least, we're at the five-year mark for the publication of the report and recommendations from the LGBT task force. March is literally the five-year mark. Um, Saturday, March 9th, I think 10 to 12, we will have celebration highlighting the accomplishments and looking at what still needs to be done. The mayor will be there, as will Supervisor Mandelman, um, and David Campos and Senator Weiner, who both spearheaded the task force at the beginning. So I think that does it for my report. I'm happy to answer any questions. Thank you very much, Cindy. Um, that was very comprehensive. Regarding the Older Americans Act, um, how likely do you think the current Congress and administration are to first re-up re it and add the money? I actually think the money is, is its own question. I think it, it, I think there is a will to do it. It is of, of many things that aren't. It is bipartisan. They all recognize the need. More and more people are seeing what they call the, um, the, the social indicators of health, and that's what that's the type type of services that the Older Americans Act funds. And so I think they recognize that putting more dollars in the Older Americans Act will actually um, prolong the dollars for CMS and those type of things. So I think it it's it's very positive. Also, there's a lot of advocacy around it. So I think all all things point to to positive thinking. Good. Thank you. Will, will this department and or the city be involved in advocacy for the? So that's power? part of what, well, and that is part of, we will, we get um, highlights around, it's time to, to write your, your senators, and I will send that out to anybody. <coughs> that is one of the things that um, Director McSpadden is doing right now, is meeting with legislators. They also, because they it's national, they will go to all of California's representatives as a group. So there's some strength in numbers, but as we get the call to action, we will we will share it with everybody. I think, thank you mm -hmm. very much. Thank you. Any other comments or questions from the commission? Any comments or questions from the public? Thank you very much, Cindy. Next is the advisory council report. Eleanor Lurie is here. Thank you. Welcome, Eleanor. Diane Lawrence is in uh, Sacramento today, so she asked me to present. So um, we, we spent quite a lot of time discussing uh, some of the uh, issues that the uh, Joint Legislative Committee discussed, but uh, took no action on them. These include, um, uh, let's see, uh, page, sorry, uh, Medi-Cal assisted living waivers, uh, accessory dwelling units, speeding up the process for approval of those, um, masking identification of service providers of APS, uh, translating written instructions to IHSS uh, uh, clients. At this point, San Francisco pays for this service. 
uh, conservator legislation, transportation legislation, um, uh, federal act getting people out of institutions, uh, concern that if you sign up incorrectly for Medicare, you are permanently penalized for a month. That would be federal legislation. Uh, full slave ha housing and uh, other, other kinds of issues. But uh, no, no action was taken, so no pass. Um, you've probably heard this, but in the governor's state of the state, he, com he commented on the graying of California and the need to pay attention to that, uh, and mentioned the need for a master plan on aging, especially in the area of dimension. Uh, apparently, a bill has been introduced, but we did not discuss it at the joint legislative meeting. He mentioned right-sizing in-home support services because local uh, costs have increased dramatically over the last few years. And apparently, there's a trailer bill to address that, <coughs> but hadn't been introduced. Um, let's see. We, um, uh, today, the uh, Association of Area Agencies on Aging in California is meeting in Sacramento, which is where Diane is, and they'll be visiting their representatives. Uh, on March 9th, this is a celebration of the fifth year of the LBT Task Force, of which 11 of 13 recommendations have been implemented. And April 14th through 19th is National Healthcare Decisions Week, which includes workshops on advanced, advanced planning. Um, Director McSpadden and Rose Johns presented the 2019-2020 update to the area plan. The council raised questions about it, which were answered, and approved the plan. And these include areas of nutrition education, transport, DAS transportation services, because others are provided by different agencies, and food security, which will be made better with the SSI CalFresh program. Um, this summer, the council will have a presentation on the area plan to get ready for the next four years. This is our last year of the last plan. Um, the Pedestrian Safety Committee, which I, I chaired, is work, right, and Martha Knudsen sits on, uh, is working to contact various agencies and interest groups connected with pedestrian safety uh, <coughs> and to see what they're doing and if they actually work together. Um, and wh what are the requirements for independent contractors uh, who work on major street and sidewalk projects? For example, Van Ness Avenue, um, which has physically been quite a, quite a mess for a long time. And work is now starting at Geary Boulevard, out where I live. Um, Two site visits were completed in nutrition programs, but we were not able to discuss it at the March meeting. So, um, uh, Diane was going to ask Bridget to have a Cal Fresh, Cal Fresh flyer available for commissioners. Were you able to do that? Or did she not ask? She did not ask. Okay, okay, very good. So, um, that's my presentation, and I'll be glad to answer questions if I can. Thank you, Eleanor. Um, any comments or questions from yes. the commission? Which are the two nutrition sites you people visited? I don't know because we never were able, we ran out of time. <clears throat> they were not presented. Do you have suggestions? Any other comments or questions? Any comments or questions from the public? 
Right. Thank you very much, Eleanor. And um, earlier, um, we're go going back to Cindy Kaufman's presentation, I want to echo her warm praise for the service allocation plan arising from the Dignity Fund. I've been on the oversight committee for since its inception, and I know how much work has gone into it, how, what a thorough analysis has been done, what an exceptional attempt is being made to rectify equity issues and to get as much data for underserved populations as is available. It's a commendable result, and I think that those of us who have read it and those of us who will read it will be quite impressed with the work that's been done. So thank you. No talk report of the Joint Legislative Committee. Nothing. Okay. No talk report, LTCC, Long-Term Care Coordinating Council. Ah, Kelly Dearman. Welcome back. It's been a long time since you've graced our present. Your present. <laughs> I'm happy to come whenever you would like to see me. Well, that's always. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so good morning, everyone. Um, President Serenia and Commissioners, Deputy Director Hoffman. Um, my name is Kelly Dearman. I am the Executive Director of the San Francisco In-Home Supportive Services Public Authority and a very proud member of the Long-Term Care Coordinating Council. And I'm here today to give you just a little bit of an update as to what we did last month. So the Long-Term Care Coordinating Council met on February 14th, and we talked um, about the Dignity Fund, which um, Deputy Director Kaufman has already mentioned. We talked about that. Then we spent some time talking about um, San Francisco Aging and Disability Friendly Initiative. <coughs> you all know San Francisco is, has been designated as an aging and disability friendly city. To that end, we talked about um, areas that would be of interest to the Long-Term Care Coordinating Council, including the, sorry, it's on my phone and, okay, including the um, transportation domain where we were encouraging members to support uh, the implementation of um, State Bill 1376, which allows for um, accessible vehicles for um, cabs, lifts, Ubers, and all of those rideshares. Uh, we also talked about community supports and health services. Uh, we have done an ableism and ageism training for healthcare professionals that has already taken place. We are now working on getting more funding for that. Um, it has proven to be really successful. And we talked about um, the resilience and disaster preparedness domain. And in particular, um, we talked about an alert SF targeted outreach campaign. And I'm hopeful that all of you are clear on alert SF, which notifies you when there are any disasters or issues that we should <clears throat> be aware of. Um, so in the coming months, the um, LTCCC has um, talked about doing a really big outreach push to encourage our um, the people within our networks to sign up. And so there'll be trainings, there'll be people signing up. So that's pretty exciting. We believe that's going to happen in April, but don't hold me to that. <laughs> um, then we spent uh, time 
um, we broke up into small groups to um, look at different policy areas where um, we can have impact and how do we want to have impact. And I just want to say that our um, current co-chairs are working really hard with us to make sure that we stay on a policy level and try to get out of the weeds but really think big picture and what's the impact that our body can have. And so we talk about things like the workforce, housing, transportation, behavioral health, uh, nutrition, social engagement. So, um, so there were many suggestions made that will be put together in a paper and then we will come back and have more discussion about that. Uh, and then finally, Dan Kaplan and Rose Johns uh, gave, um, oh, is that right? No, it was Dan Kaplan gave a report on um, the assisted living facility report. And we talked about that and what we thought next steps would be. So that was pretty much it. It was another exciting meeting and I look forward to the next one in March. Any questions? Thank you very much, Kelly. That was very comprehensive. Any comments or questions from the commission? Since, since uh, Director Dearman is here, I just wanted to publicly uh, thank President Sereno for proffering my name uh, as the representative of this body uh, to sit on the IHSS uh, uh, Public Authority Governing Body, seat number seven, the vacant seat that's represented by this body. I did appear early in February before the Board of Supervisors Rules Committee and was approved on the 12th, and I look forward to representing this body and serving uh, on your board. Thank you so much, Commissioner, and we are very excited to have you and look forward to your participation. Yes, and I'm sure Commissioner Papp is going to do a very, very good job. It's very important. IHSS is very important. It is a huge segment of how our city is able to support um, adults with disabilities and seniors, and um, its significance can't be overemphasized, and I'm delighted that Commissioner Papp has accepted the appointment, and good for the Board of Supervisors for approving you. Thank you. Um, Commissioner, I just have one um, question um, or comment. Uh, a lot has been happening at the Public Authority, and so I would really welcome the opportunity to come to speak to you all about what we've been doing and how we're going. So just tell me who I can schedule that with. and we'll get We will work on scheduling um, a presentation. That was Thank very informative. So Thank you very much. Case report. No case report. Okay. Any old business? No. New business. Item A, review and approval of the fiscal year 2019-2020 area plan update for submission to the California Department of Aging. Cindy Kaufman and Rose Johns will present the item. Thank you. Welcome, Rose. Good morning, commissioners. Can you hear me okay? Closer? Okay. Um, let me know, please, if you can't hear me. Sometimes I, I do hear that I speak a little bit softly. My name is Rose Johns. I'm with the Policy and Planning Unit at the Human Services Agency. I'm here with Deputy Director Kaufman today to present on the area plan update for fiscal year 1920. Okay, so um, just a quick agenda for what we'll cover today. We're gonna start with an overview of the area plan and the area plan update. I know for some of you, this is content you've seen before, but for others, it's new. So please stop us at any point if you have questions. 
We're going to spend most of our time highlighting some of the key sections in the area plan update report and then talk about next steps with you. Okay, so I'm going to start with just an overview of the area plan and what it is. It's a requirement under the Older Americans Act that DOS, as the Area Agency on Aging in San Francisco, um, prepare a four-year plan um, every four years that outlines how the department will address the needs of older adults in the local service area. <clears throat> the purpose of the plan is really to look at demographic trends and identify population needs and then outline how the department will use its Older Americans Act funding to address these needs. It's important to note, though, that the area plan focuses only on those services that are funded by Older Americans Act money, um, and that's just a portion of what the department does. To put it into context, the department gets about $6 million from the state uh, for community-based services. Overall, the department spends about $60 million a year on community-based services. So this is just a portion of the services that are provided. And then in the interim years between the big four-year plan, we submit an update to the state that provides an update on what we've been doing and sets new <coughs> targets and goals for the upcoming year. We're required to include specific sections from the full area plan. Um, those are listed here, and you've seen them in the report that you received last week. And so I just wanted to provide a little more context for where we are in the current four-year cycle. Um, this is the area plan four-year period covering 2017 through 2020. And what we're working on here is our final update in this cycle. So we are in fiscal year 1819, as you know, and we are preparing the update for next year. This report, this update is due to the state by May 1st. <coughs> And so to prepare this update, we've been working on it since about December, um, which, is when the, which is around when the state released the instructions for this report. Um, as Eleanor noted, we presented to the Advisory Council last month, and they did a vote to approve the area plan update and for us to bring it to you this month. Um, and as you see here, and as I just said, the report is due by May 1st. And then, um, again, echoing what Eleanor previewed for you, we will be working next year on the new four-year cycle um, report, and that'll be the area plan covering 2021 through 2024. And um, that really is our best opportunity to get more creative and um, mix up what we've been doing. So typically, the annual reports are more of an update following the framework we've established already. And so we will be working more closely with the Advisory Council over the next year as we develop the full four-year plan. Okay, so moving on to some highlights of some of the main sections in the area plan update. Something that we look at every year is population demographics. And the reason that we do this is it helps us identify the, po the profile of the senior population with the greatest economic and social need. So um, what we have here are two pie charts. On the left, we're seeing <coughs> the overall senior population profile. We see that the largest groups are Asian Pacific Islander and white. When we look at the pie chart on the right, which is seniors living in poverty below the federal poverty threshold, we see a different story. 
we see that communities of color are overrepresented. For example, though Asian Pacific Islanders are 43% of all seniors, they're almost half of those in poverty. Again, it's really important that we keep track of these trends so that when the department is developing its procurements and entering into contracts for services, we make sure that we are partnering with agencies that can really help us reach um, the populations most in need. Rose, excuse me, um, it might be helpful if you told us what the definition of poverty was. Sure. Um, so this is based on the federal poverty threshold, which is annual income of about $12,000 a year for a single individual. So this is really those who are um, at the lowest, lowest income level. Thank you. Destitute. Yes, that is actually the word that we often use. Thank you. The other, one of the other major sections in the area plan update report is the service unit plan objectives, which is basically where we say the service levels we expect for next year. And what we've put here on the slide is a summary of how the units for next year compare to what um, we put forward last year. <clears throat> and um, what you see is that in the main nutrition programs, we're anticipating an increase in service and that's largely due to enhanced uh, local funding. There are four areas where we're projecting a decrease in units, and that's mainly because we've really been looking at service trends over the last few years, and we're trying to bring our anticipated unit levels closer to actuals, closer to what's actually being provided. Um, the one exception here I would point out is nutrition education. That's um, like group classes, uh, that is typically provided at senior centers. And we're seeing a decrease here because um, City College has been providing education classes at community centers and they are scaling back that program. So the department was not funding that before, but we were able to count the units. The department will still be providing about 50,000 units of this service uh, next year. And then, um, in a couple other areas, the Ombudsman Program and Family Caregiver Support Program, we have multiple metrics there. Most of them have increased, um, but there are a couple metrics within there that have gone down. Um, and what I would highlight, I guess, for you there is the Family Caregiver Support Program. We are anticipating a decrease in respite care hours through this program for next year. And that's because outside of Older Americans Act funding, DOS has established a new respite care service using Dignity Fund money. And so within the Family Caregiver Support Program, funded by the state, uh, the department is shifting those dollars to support different services in this program, such as um, counseling and support groups. Overall, um, DOS has about quadrupled <coughs> the amount of respite care that it's funding. It's just that it's a different funding source, so those units aren't included in this report. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to Deputy Director Kaufman to highlight some of the narrative goals and objectives for next year. Thank you, Rose. Thank you. So in the, in the plan updates, you see four major goals with many objectives. I'm going to highlight one objective from each of the goals. I feel that I should have coordinated with Kelly Dearman because some of what I'm about to say, she's already reported out on. Um, so the first one is improved quality of life, and this the focus is on the age and disability friendly um, 
activities going on in San Francisco. As Kelly mentioned, we've just completed the first year of a three-year cycle. Within that first year, we have completed either 85 or 90% things are in action or have been completed. Um, the four that have been completed, Kelly mentioned a couple of them. One was AB 1376, which is the legislation to ensure rideshare accessibility. Um, the other is the ableism and ageism training pilot for healthcare professionals, um, as well as increased cr crosswalk timing, allowing more time for people to get across the street. And then the last is the assisted living facility recommendations that were sent to the mayor. And this was part of the Long-Term Care Coordinating Council's um, effort to support affordable assisted living in San Francisco. The next goal is to establish better coordination of services. And as you know, the Long-Term Care Coordinating Council is an advisory body to the mayor's office evaluating all issues related to long-term care and supportive services. Again, Kelly highlighted some of these efforts. This past year, the council did a retreat to focus truly on a strategic plan on going forward. They looked at mission, vision, values, core principles, and functions. And then um, from that, they identified priority areas in long-term care system. Um, there are many things that are needed in San Francisco, but the focus of this group truly is on long-term care. From there, they identified policy er key policy areas, strategies, and they're looking at two to three action items for the coming year. The current high-level policy areas include behavioral health, Care navigation and personal health, housing, nutrition, social engagement, transportation, and workforce. Next is to increase access to services, and we're looking at the DOS Benefits and Resource Hub at Tugoff. In 2018-19, DOS will slightly restructure operations at, at the hub to account for past and upcoming <coughs> growth. The goal is to enhance service integration and support smooth operations. We are moving the eligibility unit, which currently is part of the IHSS program. They're located in, in at Tugoff, but we are moving them as part of the hub, both within <coughs> the re reporting structure as well. And then the primary change will be to institute a single manager with oversight of all the programs operating at that site, which includes integrated intake and referral unit, the eligibility unit, and the County Veterans Services Office. So we're hoping we're going forward with um, outreach plans for the reframing aging. And part of what we heard from the um, community needs assessment was people are unfamiliar that we have the, the, the site at Tugoff. And so one of our goals is to provide more outreach. This restructuring gives that the stability in order to, to increase that growth. And then finally, improve service quality. Um, we're looking at the cultural competency with LGBT clients. DOS has and will continue to fund and directly offer outreach, training sessions, and technical assistance to service providers in working with LGBTQ community members and recording sexual orientation and gender identity data. We've seen good progress. Prior to the local SOGI ordinance, 40% of clients in community-based services were missing a response to the sexual orientation question. Last year, that decreased to 
an equity analysis of service utilization by LGBTQ older adults found that this population tends to access services at lower rates than the overall population. Part of the department's work will be to address this disparity and will convene community leaders and service providers to discuss strategies to ensure the LGBTQ community members feel comfortable accessing services across the city, not just those offered by the LGBTQ-focused agencies, and that clients feel comfortable disclosing their identity. So that, I think, now we move on to any questions. Thank you very much, Cindy. Um, I have a few questions, Rose. Uh, one, when you, up, when you prepare the next four-year plan, will you be able to incorporate some of the information that's come out of the Dignity Fund analysis because a great deal of work has been done there? Yes, absolutely. We will be drawing on particularly the needs assessment that was done last year um, as part of our area plan submission to the state. Um, in that we will be including that content um, and also using, the department is using it kind of across the board to structure its strategic planning. Great, thank you. And then a couple of other observations. Um, I was surprised to see the decrease in nutrition, um, education, and also in transportation because I know that transportation is a particularly <coughs> big issue and I understand that it was based on actual utilization. Do you think it's that that utilization is driven by really not having as much need or simply a lack of awareness of what's been offered? That's a great question. Um, I think that the, if you'd like me to speak further about the nutrition education classes, um, I can do that. That is what I was just referencing regarding uh, City College decreasing the program it was co-locating at DOS services. Um, and so that's the reason for the decrease there. Okay. With regard to transportation, I'd actually like to invite uh, Mike Zog to come up and speak about that. Thank you. Good morning, commissioners. I'm Mike Zog, Director of Office on the Aging. So with the transportation issue, it's, it's a little nuanced in that it's our transportation services is is um, is is a is a and it works just in support of DOS services, in particular in support of community service centers. So it's not necessarily it's it's a service that ties to that. It's rides to and from the center. Um, so that's part step one of it. Um, we do think that it's we are working towards trying to figure out why it isn't being utilized more. We've talked with the providers. We're gonna start quarterly meetings with them um, uh, starting this fiscal year to look at service levels and to try to, to, to look at that further. So. Thank you. Any other comments of Commissioner Liu? Who are the provider of transportation and how much it decreases it for the next year? <laughs> How much uh, about the, oh, well, the, we have four providers of transportation. They are Kimochi, uh, Self-Help for the Elderly, Central Latino, and then TransDev, which is also the paratransit broker. So they are one uh, for-profit provider. Um, and then you had spoken to decrease. Yeah, how much is the decrease? So we actually, <coughs> we actually have not seen a decrease over the past three, four years. In fact, the numbers have just stayed really flat in that low to mid 30,000 rides per year range. Um, we're decreasing it on our area plan because we've historically tried to reach that 40,000 rides goal and we just haven't been able to get there yet. So we're bringing that top number down to something that's more accurate based on our service levels. 
Yeah, because transportation is really such an important uh, I, uh, for the seniors when they can go out or go to the doctor's office, et cetera. So Absolutely. it's a little bit kind of a worry about the decrease in transportation funds. Yeah, thank you. And regarding transportation, the city in, in terms of the Muni is very focused on speeding up transit times. And with that goal, which is admirable in mind, they have eliminated many stops, which often presents a problem for seniors who have further to walk to get to a stop or further to walk to their destination. And I don't know how to reconcile that, but it is obviously something that needs to be addressed because, again, no one wants to see the Muni get any slower, but at the same time, we would like all people to be able to have access to it. Thank you. Any other comments or questions, Commissioner? Yeah, first of all, first of all, thank you for all the work that went into this. It, it's incredible, yeah. and the presentation is, is very comprehensive and really is helpful to someone like me who's relatively new to the commission to have that foundation I need. So thank you for, for that. And I know that a lot of people contributed to this, so I just want to acknowledge that. Um, just a really minor question um, on the nutrition education, again, just returning to that. Is it going to be filled from other, some other source, or are we anticipating that? I mean, is this all because of the CCSF problems they've been having, and are we, I mean, we just want to recognize as a body that we know that that education is very important, so I didn't quite hear that. If there was a, if there needs to be a plan to, to to make up for a deficit or sort of what, what's the strategy around that? Yeah, so um, my sense is, that my understanding is that DOS is maintaining its funding level for this service um, and we'll be looking at how it is utilized and okay. if um, there seems to be a negative effect that people are missing this service. Um, I don't know that DOS is planning to fill, okay. to increase its own funding for this service, um, but I think keeping an eye on service utilization, if there are more people showing up than can be accommodated, okay. um, or we see a change in food security status mm -hmm. um, through the food security screenings that are done, that's something that we'll be keeping an eye on and okay. um, considering it, particularly as we prepare the next four-year plan. Okay, great. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And one other comment. I've been on the commission a long time, although contrary to rumor, not since San Francisco and California were part of Mexico. Um, <laughs> and in that period of time, I have seen the commitment to getting information about the aging LGBT community and delivering services to that community grow dramatically. Um, when I joined, I was the first openly gay commissioner on serving here, and I advocated, and the response has been extraordinary. And I'm really grateful and want to acknowledge that because it's a huge, huge <coughs> improvement. Thank you. Thank you. Any Thank comments you. or questions from the public? Thank you, Cindy and Rose. Thank you. Sure. So um, if I could, just next steps would be if sure. you feel comfortable um, voting to approve today. Yes. Um, if you would like, we can return next month also if you need more time to sit with this. Um, I don't know how the commissioners feel. Do I have a, um, a did you, are you report. comfortable voting and to approve the report? Okay. All right, then call the question. May I have a motion to approve the report? I so move. Second. Thank you. Any further comments or questions? Hearing none, call the question. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Thank you again. Thank you. Item B, 
requesting authorization to modify the existing grant with senior and disability action for the provision of computer lab upgrades during the period of January 1st, 2019 through June 30th, 2019 for an additional amount of $38,855 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $281,233. Welcome, Rick Appleby. Uh, good morning, uh, President Serenia, Commissioners, and Deputy Director Kaufman and Bridget. Um, the modification before us right now is a wonderful opportunity to assist senior and disability action to enhance their current computer lab and make it more accessible for more people with disabilities and seniors with disabilities. Um, as you read, uh, one of the main focuses is buying innovative equipment that will allow people with a broader range of disabilities to come in and use the computer lab to access information on the internet and social media in a way that they may not have been able to at home or other places. Um, and the goal here is to, um, in this senior empowerment program, really is to help people advocate for themselves and learn about the advocacy <coughs> community, excuse me, and become more of a part of it. Um, so that's an uh, admirable goal for senior and disability action. Um, uh, we mentioned a couple examples of the kinds of equipment. So a closed circuit TV is one example that can have a large caption on it for people who may not be able to, to see regular caption. Uh, head pointers, uh, voice recognition, and voice-activated systems um, all can help people with um, those related um, disabilities. Um, I wanted to mention another aspect that didn't get um, full explanation. There are uh, the Senior and Disability Action will also utilize uh, peer support trainers and volunteers. Um, there's a recognition, of course, that you bring people in from the uh, older adult and disability community to learn about the computer lab, to learn about uh, using this new equipment, existing equipment, um, and be able to train folks that come in um, how to use it, um, troubleshoot problems, um, assist them to find what they're looking for online, um, along with the advocacy. Um, aspect, learning about advocacy, people just need some help navigating through that complex web of resources and find jobs and housing and services uh, that might be more complicated. So folks from the community will be there with a familiarity and to, to sort support people there. Um, those folks are also going to act as outreach coordinators. So the support trainers and volunteers will in turn go out to their communities and um, talk about the computer lab and the accessibility there, what you can accomplish, and hopefully bring more folks in to the uh, computer lab at Senior Disability Action. Um, I think uh, the global reason for this for, that um, Senior Disability Action staff talked about was they want to create a community around their office, the computer lab, this accessible network, um, so that folks can support each other, um, be part of that network in a way that they might not be able to in the past, um, and go out and advocate for themselves and others. Um, I think that's it for now. Uh, thanks for your consideration for this. 
Thank you, Rick. Any comments or questions from the commission? Commissioner Liu. Yeah, I have a question on the operation um, on the budget, okay? Modification. <coughs> and I'm, I, I'm just wondering why the modification, first of all, I like you folks highlighted the modification, make oh. it easier for us, thank you. And, uh, but I don't understand why the modification in direct service is 23.55%, while the others are 15%. Is that on the? Uh, on the budget. Salaries the and benefits. Page, page one, appendix oh, one. Great. Good help, we like that. Steve Kim, contract manager for Human Services Agency. In actuality, uh, the percentage, uh, if you look at the uh, total, total for the modification, it includes the, uh, the uh, actual the, uh, equipment cost for 10,000 uh, in the, uh, page four as part of the uh, indirect. That was a new recent change that we were able to provide the indirects as part of the capital expenditures equipments as well. Okay, thank you, because I know there is a reason. You won't make that kind of mistake, but I want to know why. That's right. Thank you. Thank you. Any other comments or questions from the commission? Just one quick, quick question. I, you know, with the rapidly changing technology, I'm, I'm fortunate I have teenage twins and they're my technology consultants. Um, but with technology changing so rapidly, those who come through the system, how do they stay current? Well, I think my answer to that is hopefully uh, senior and disability action through their consultations and understanding of computer lab, innovative technology, they'll be upgrading their systems and the folks that come in will be continually exposed to newer and um, better equipment for them. Uh, that's what I would imagine for them ongoing. Uh, also, bringing folks in from the community, they're gonna let you know if there's new, you know, new ideas out there, new innovations, and hopefully we'll be up. That's fine, this is San Francisco and we move at a rapid pace here. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> Any other comments or questions? Any comments or questions from the public? Jessica. Hi, Jessica Lehman with Senior and Disability Action. Thank you so much for considering this proposal. Um, just wanted to respond to that, that last comment. Um, thank you so much for the question. We do recognize that these things change so fast we did some upgrades about three years ago, I think, and so we recognize it. it's time again. You may hear from us a few years from now, um, but part of, part of our effort here um, is to look at equipment that has been around for a while and we think will continue, um, and things like height-adjustable tables or mice where those won't, um, those won't go, um, go out, of, out of vogue. Um, and then part of, as Rick mentioned, our um, bringing in peer trainers and to make sure that they have support from our staff and from IT consultants to be able to learn about changes as they come up to be able to pass those on to our computer lab participants. Um, and then I wanted to mention we are uh, wanting to get this started right away since it's already March. So um, I have some job announcements here for computer lab peer trainers and outreach workers. I apologize, they got a little wet on the way here. Um, but I'll leave them on the side if commissioners or other folks here want to take some with you, that'd be great. Thank you. Thank you. Any other comments or questions from the public? Hearing none, may I have a motion to approve? So moved. Do you have a second? Second. Any further discussion? All in favor? Aye. 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 
Any opposed? Thank you. The motion Thank carries. You. Item B. C. I'm B. sorry, item C. Requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreement with Swords to Plowshares for the provision of supportive services and service connection to veterans during the period February 1st, 2019 through June 30th, 2019 for an additional amount of $214,364 plus a 10% contingency for a total grant amount not to exceed $1,069,820. Thank you, Tiffany Kearney. Welcome. Thank you. Good morning, Commissioners, President Serenia, and Deputy Director Kaufman. In December of 2017, the department presented the Supportive Services and Service Connection Program for older adults and adults with disability, disabilities who are military veterans living in the city. I am pleased to report that the program has been very successful and Swords to Plowshare has been a fantastic partner um, in helping the department serve this population. Last year, Swords to Plowshare met the program outcome objectives and exceeded the projected units of service for this grant. They are well on their way to doing the same again this year. I'm gonna provide a brief overview of the program. It is offered at Swords to Plowshares five supportive housing sites. It includes one-to-one -one assistance to help connect veterans to services aimed at supporting their um, independence and it provides scheduled activities that help foster friendships, reduce isolation, and build a sense of community. Veterans Academy is one of the five sites and home to 108 formerly homeless veterans with disabilities and is where the budget modification dollars are being directed. The veterans at the Academy are very active in um, the services provided through this grant. About 30% of the total number of veterans last year, which equates to about 50 of them, um, participated in the program, all lived at the Academy. The one-time only funding added to this grant will help Swords to Plowshare with maintenance and repair costs at the site. It includes new resilient flooring, and acoustic ceiling replacement in the common areas where programming takes place. <coughs> it includes the installation of automatic doors to access those common areas and new stoves that will allow Swords to Plowshare to offer cooking classes um, as a community activity. This one-time only funding is about 6% of the total amount Swords to Plowshare is spending on maintenance, repairs, and upgrades at the Academy to ensure the site is safe, meets the needs of the veterans, and supports community building. Thank you, and I'm very happy to try to answer any questions you might have at this time. Thank you, Tiffany. Any comments or questions from the Commission? Hearing none, any comments or questions from the public? Please. Hi, so I'm, hello. Hi, I'm Tremacy. I work at Swords to Plowshares. I'm the associate director, so I have no questions um, about what we're proposing. I just wanted to actually say thank you uh, for considering, considering the request. We do have veterans who um, are aging in place, and we'd love to keep them there. We have veterans who have sight impairments, 
Um, so the door openers are kind of crucial <laughs> for folks entering and exiting the building. So we're so thankful for DOS to be able to work with us on this process as we continue to upgrade the facility and make sure that it stays out on the Presidio in very uh, lush property, we should say, overlooking the Golden Gate Bridge um, there for the veterans that we house 108 in any given time. So it was more of just a thank you to you all for considering the request and just <coughs> thank you to DOS for um, working with us as part of this pilot program. Thank you. I would, ju I would just like to say, Mr. President, um, I, I live and work in the Presidio, and so I see firsthand uh, the services that are being provided and uh, this former military base is now serving, uh, really from swords to plowshares, uh, those who served our country. And I would be, if you would allow me to move this, I would, I would be honored. Thank you. Um, any other comments or questions? Any from the public? Okay, may I have a motion to approve? So moved. Do you have a second? Second. Thank you. Um, any further comments or discussion? Hearing none, call the question. All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Thank you. The motion carries. Item D, request, requesting authorization to enter into a new grant agreement with Self-Help for the Elderly for the provision of a workforce support program during the period of February 1st, 2019 through June 30th, 2021 in the amount of $548,935 plus a 10% contingency for a total grant amount not to exceed $603,829. Thank you again, Tiffany. Thank you again, Commissioners and Deputy Director Kaufman. Um, before we start, I just want to note that there is a um, small correction in the Appendix A. In the table, uh, Table A, there is a um, when the third column says fiscal year 1920, and in fact, it should say 2021. Okay. So, okay. Um, an important component of living and aging successfully in the community for our clients is for them to have the supportive services available when they need them. There is a growing demand for home care, and along with that, there is a need to develop a pipeline of skilled individuals to provide quality caregiving. A recommendation in the Dignity Fund Needs Assessment Report is to increase the availability of training for home care workers at various levels to ensure competent caregiving and a sustainable workforce. In addition, our community partners emphasize that there is a high demand in the Asian and Pacific Island communities and in communities with limited English-speaking proficiency for home care and home care training. Having home care services available in culturally and linguistically appropriate ways is vital to ensure the safety of our clients and support their well-being. The workforce uh, support grant will enable self-help to provide a training program targeting the Asian and Pacific Island community. In addition to delivering a comprehensive range of services for older adults and adults with disability, self-help has extensive experience in providing training. Since the early 70s, self-help has focused on employment training and through the years has developed an array of offerings, including personal caregiving and home care training. For this grant, self-help will offer three types of training programs. The first will be a personal caregiving uh, training program that includes a vocational English component. The second will be a more in-depth um, 
caregiver training program that will enable the graduates to work in home care in other community-based settings. And the third will be a job readiness training program that will include vocational English component as well as other transferable skills such as customer service, cultural sensitivity, and interviewing techniques. Self-help will provide training to 60 individuals annually. This fiscal year, there will be fewer individuals trained because of the mid-year start. Thank you, and I would be happy to answer any questions the commission may have at this time about the training program. Thank you. If, yeah, if you don't mind, um, again, I'm still learning about programs, so sometimes the questions might seem a little elementary, but um, it, the training program will encompass multiple levels of training for paid caregivers and or home care staff. So are some of these people uh, unpaid, like family members or something like that? Or what is no, that phrase? No, it's not yeah. training for, um, it's not training for respite care workers okay. necessarily. I mean, these are these are people that would be hired in the community. Okay, so it's all it's all aimed towards people who are paid. I, I guess that was my, yeah. my I yeah. was curious about that phrase. Um, and then how do people learn about this program? Like how are they, how, how do they fill Well, self-help um, will be doing um, outreach mm -hmm. uh, within their community in particular because it is the Asian and Pacific Island community. They have a pretty broad reach um, and they also internally have programs that can feed into it okay. uh, quite easily and okay. they really know that what the needs are okay so it's never an issue of not filling no i don't think so no i anticipate it's probably going to be very successful okay thank you yeah thank you um i know self-help have their own um in-home support start, uh, service Mm -hmm. Is this training also open to the citywide besides their own staff? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They'll be they'll be out they'll be doing outreach to the wider community, not just their own staff. Okay. Another question I have is like um, the uh, French benefit for part time is twenty seven percent. Isn't that a little bit high? I I don't know. I've been out of the workforce for such a long time. I thought uh, you're not. I mean, what does the 27% include? Because I thought you don't really have to. I, I know that when I was working, you have to pay health benefit for people who work 20 hours and up per week. Right. But some of them are like 10%. So are they still paying the health insurance or what? I don't know. I'm yeah, I mean, the, the way the staffing is for, I mean, some of these, they're being shared across programs. So, for example, um, you know, the, the compliance officer, they're, they're directing 10% of their salary towards this, but that officer is a full-time officer. So that's why it's, uh, they have the full French bank. Yes, correct. Thank you. And any other comments or questions? Tiffany, what languages will the training be provided in? Um, they actually I have that right here. Hold on. Um, so self-help, and they can maybe they can sort of um, speak to this better, but I think um, they have capacity for Cantonese, Mandarin, um, and Vietnamese, I think, for the um, 
come. Well, this is Winnie. She'll probably, but they do have language capacity. Thank you. Good morning, commissioners and Deputy uh, Director Kaufman. My name is Winnie U, Director of Programs, Self-Help for the Elderly. We have the training um, staff with capacity to deliver the training in English, in Chinese, and with a career advising staff that is capacity to provide coaching services in Vietnamese, in Spanish, in Tagalog. Okay, thank you. Any other comments or questions from the commission? Any comments or questions from the public? Hearing none, may I have a motion to approve? So moved. Do you have a second? Second. Any further discussion? All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Thank you. The motion carries. <clears throat> Item E, requesting authorization to enter into a new grant agreement with Self-Help for the Elderly for the provision of a peer ambassador program during the period of February 1st, 2019 through June 30th, 2021, in the amount of $242,726, plus a 10% contingency for a total grant amount not to exceed $266,999. Welcome back, Tiffany. Thank you again, Commissioners and Deputy Director Kaufman. Um, as you know, um, our department has been able to focus in on services our clients need and need more of, as well as provide additional support to our community partners through the information we gather during the Dignity Fund Needs Assessment process. The Needs Assessment Report confirmed that, cl that clients who are connected to DOS services have positive experiences and enjoy their participation. The report also revealed that not all older adults and adults with disabilities know about the services available to them through the department, and there is a need to boost awareness about DOS-funded programs and services. Consumers in Districts 1, 2, 4, and 11 in particular participate less in services than in other districts, and although limited awareness is not the only contributing factor, it was a finding that was noted throughout the needs assessment <coughs> report. The peer ambassador program is one of several approaches the department is using to increase visibility of our services. We know that both older adults and adults with disabilities rely on peers to be a trusted source of information. By using peer ambassadors and a word of mouth approach, the department will have a new way and opportunity to share information about services, and the consumers will have another way to learn about services they may need from a source they trust within their communities. Self-help uh, for the elderly will hire four um, peer ambassadors to work in the districts I mentioned. At least one ambassador uh, will be dedicated to each district to ensure continuity. Ambassadors will share information about DOS-funded programs and services within their assigned district. They will use various approaches tailored to the districts and the communities within those districts. It will include networking at community events and connecting with neighborhood businesses and organizations outside of the current network of DOS partners. DOS will work closely uh, with self-help to ensure accurate information is distributed. Peer ambassadors will um, be connected to our benefits and resource hub. 
They will have a working relationship with the ADRCs within the districts. The DOS um, hub and ADRCs are great resources that the peer ambassadors will uh, be able to access and refer consum consumers to as needed. Collectively, the ambassadors will provide information to at least 200 organizations and businesses annually who have connections to consumers that we serve with the specific intent of increasing awareness about DOS programs and services. Um, thank you, and I would be happy to answer any questions you might have at this time. Commissioner Pappas? Yes, I, I'm, I'm joining uh, Commissioner Knudsen uh, in asking an entry question. Um, <laughs> when we refer to DOS-funded programs, those do include the Dignity Fund programs? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. For a matter of clarity, thank you. Any other comments or questions? Commissioner Liu? I have a question. Okay. Uh, in the table, A, it said they are going to hire five. Um, yeah, sorry. I made it. They, they are hiring five. The um, RFP, when I said that, I realized I had um, said four because I was not reading my notes correctly. Um, they are actually hiring five. The minimum is four, but they're over, they're over, um, over committing, if you will. <laughs> But my question here is on the salary sheet, um, it has, uh, it just said two peer ambassadors. So instead of four or five. Because they're leveraging another source um, uh, for another source for the other, for the other two, or the, actually the other three. Okay. That's why I think it's really kind of uh, nice um, if, um, they are matching, it would appear in the budget, so it makes it a little bit kind of clear. In the, on the bottom um, of the budget sheet, on other, on other revenues, on the summary sheet, okay. it has match dash three, uh, so it has the match there. Thank you, my apology. No worries, no worries. Um, Thank you, any other comments or questions? Any comments or questions from the public? Hearing none, may I have a motion to approve? So moved. Second. Thank you. Um, any further comments? All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Item F, requesting authorization to enter into a new grant agreement with Kimochi Inc. for sustainability for nonprofit licensed residential care facilities for the elderly. RCFE during the period of March 1st, 2019 through June 30th, 2020 in the amount of $175,380 plus a 10% contingency for a total grant amount not to exceed $192,922. Welcome, Fanny Lapitan. It's been a while since you were here. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Good morning, commissioners. Good morning, Deputy Director Kaufman. Um, I'm Fanny Lapitan, Program Analyst for Long-Term Care Operations at DOS. Um, I'm here today to present the next two items on the agenda, the last two items on the agenda. Um, I'm seeking authorization to enter into a new agreement with Kimochi Inc. to support and improve the sustainability of Kimochi Home Residential Care Facility for the Elderly, or RCFE. Um, RCFEs are assisted living facilities that have long been preferred community alternative for those who are unable to live on their <coughs> own but are not appropriate for skilled nursing facilities. Compared to independent community living, RCFEs provide 
an increased level of care in a supportive and safe environment with 24-hour supervision for individuals aged 60 and over. In recent years, the number of RCFEs in San Francisco has declined due to increased costs and regulations, higher resident care needs, and inadequate funding. Um, the smaller, more affordable facilities have accounted for the greatest number of closures, making it more difficult for low-income individuals to secure placement and presenting a potential critical barrier for the city's support network and system of care. Um, as mentioned earlier, there is an assisted living work group that's tasked by the Long-Term Care Coordinating Council, uh, which recently researched this issue and um, its recommendations of support for this needs, needed service um, are currently being considered by the city. This grant will support the sustainability of Kimochi Home RCFE by providing funding to improve access, prevention, and quality of resident services. Um, Kimochi Home is licensed to care for 20 residents over the age of 60 who are able to walk independently with little or no assistance and may have mild or secondary diagnosis of dementia or cognitive decline. It is a two-story facility with eight single occupancy rooms and six double occupancy rooms. The facility is currently owned and operated by Kimochi. Um, Kimochi Home can serve individuals of various Asian descent and is currently serving a majority of residents who are monolingual Japanese or those who speak English as a second language. Um, Kimochi Home was built from the ground up in 1983 and no major renovations or updates have been completed since construction. Furniture and minor cosmetic changes have been made as needed. The funds through this grant will be used in three areas. First is to update their safety and security measures. The second is to improve accessibility of the restrooms on the first floor. And the third is to modernize the facility, which is currently showing three and a half decades of wear and tear. Um, with these updates and improvements, Kimochi Home will upgrade the RCFE's ability to keep residents safe and secure, provide better access to the residents, and increase the marketability of the home for potential residents and their families, thus supporting its sustainability for at least five years after the grant ends. The funds through this grant will help support the long-term building safety of Kimochi Home and potentially create savings in maintenance and utility costs in the near future, allowing for increase in their general reserves um, and helping to maintain a sustainable, a sustainable business plan. Uh, the Kimochi Home Administrator will be responsible for coordinating the completion of the various projects and will do so in such a way as to minimize or, um, disturbance or negative impact on residents as much as possible. Uh, at this time, I'd be happy to answer any question the commissioners may have. Thank you very much, Fanny. Um, that was very comprehensive, and obviously it's very important. Um, any comments or questions from the commission? Commissioner Liu? Is Kamochi Home all taken, no vacancy at this point? Um, at this point, there is currently no vacancy, um, but I, I'm just going to call Sean because the number I... Yeah. <laughs> For more accurate information. Good morning, Commissioners and Deputy Director <coughs> Kaufman. My name is Sean O'Connell. I'm the Director of Programs at Kimochi. We currently have 17 residential residents, and when we have uh, beds available, we reserve those rooms for respite care. So seniors who know that they're going in for surgery or have a scheduled operation can 
uh, reserve an open room so that they can stay with us for a few days before going home to make sure um, that they're okay and reduce the risk of rehospitalization. So we're currently full with 17 uh, residents and three respite uh, residents. So do you have a waiting list? We don't have a waiting list right now. And so one of the things we'll track with this is um, the increased interest in our home and full-time residency by hoping, hopefully growing our wait list and so we can fill available beds. I presume Komoji owned the building, is it right? Yes, we do own the building. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner. Any other comments or questions? Any comments or questions from the public? Hearing none, may I have a motion to approve? So move. Do I have a second? Second. Thank you. Any further comments? All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Thank you. Motion carries. Item G, requesting authorization to enter into a new grant agreement with Self-Help for the Elderly for sustainability for nonprofit licensed residential care facility for the elderly, or CFE, during the period of March 1, 2019 through June 30, 2020, in the amount of $302,451 plus a 10% contingency for a total grant amount not to exceed $332,696. Welcome back, Fanny. Thank you, Commissioner. Um, again, I'm seeking authorization to enter into a new agreement with Self-Help for the Elderly to support and improve the sustainability of Autumn Glow RCFE. Autumn Glow is a residential care facility for the elderly in San Francisco for the cognitively impaired, 60 years and older, who have been diagnosed with Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, or other related types of dementia. It is currently owned and operated by Self-Help for the Elderly. Um, Autumn Glow RCFE provides assisted living services in, in, a, in a unique 24-hour residential care non-medical facility in the Hayes Valley, located at 654 Grove Street. It has nine rooms with 15 beds. Six of the rooms are double occupancy and three are single occupancy. Autumn Glow services are provided by multilingual staff, which includes several Chinese dialects. It also has capacity for other cultural and language needs. The funds through this grant will be used to improve access, safety, and security, and the quality of services delivered to residents. Um, and this includes um, infrastructure improvements, accessibility improvements, technology infrastructure upgrades, safety and security improvements, and there will be training from a registered nurse, and um, nutrition improvements through a registered dietitian. Um, with these updates and improvements, Autumn Glow will upgrade the facility's safety and security measures, provide better access to the residents, and improve its delivery of care and nutrition, thus supporting its sustainability for at least five years after the grant ends. The funds through this grant will help support the long-term building safety and minimize the use of reserve funds that can be used for emergencies and unexpected funding challenges, which will help maintain a sustainable business plan. Uh, Autumn Glow's Director of Housing Services will be responsible for the coordination of the various projects and will have oversight of the progress of construction to ensure um, quality and completion within the deadline. Um, they also have a plan of action to minimize disruption or negative impact um, uh, on residents as much as possible while the construction is happening. Um, I'd be happy to answer any question about Thank you very much, Fanny. Any comments or questions? Commissioner Liu? Does Selfell only serve monolingual Chinese or they have other ethnic uh, people in the building at this point? 
Um, currently, the demographics, um, they, they don't just serve um, Chinese. They do have, uh, let's see, the demographic at this time is 72% Chinese, but they also have 14% um, Vietnamese and 14% Singaporean. So it's not entirely just Chinese population. That self-help own the building? Yes, they do. Thank you. Any other comments or questions? Just a quick, yeah, quick question. How long has it existed in Hayes Valley? Um, oh, over... <coughs> I don't mean to catch you on something. Yeah. Right. Um, they've been in existence for uh, 18 years. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I, I, I live near there, so I hadn't realized how long I'd have been there. Yes. It, okay. Thank you. Thank you. Any other comments or questions? Any comments or questions from the public? Hearing none, may I have a motion to approve? So moved. Second? Second. Any further comments or questions? All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Thank you. The motion carries. Thank, Thank you very much, Fanny. Is there any general public comment right now? Winnie you Self-Help for the Elderly, Commissioners and Deputy Director Kaufman, thank you very much for the opportunity for Self-Help for the Elderly to implement these pilot projects and for the um, opportunity to serve additional clients um, through the Dignity Fund target mission, population, and need. And um, we really look forward to uh, reporting on the updates uh, with these programs and our successful implementation. Thank you again. Thank you. Any other comments or questions? You have a question, Commissioner Liu? Yes. Since uh, self-help is going to do the uh, peers uh, ambassador program, I'm just wondering whether the department has uh, updated their uh, brochure of various kinds of services, because I think we have quite a bit of new service added uh, since the Dignity Fund kicked in. So we are in the process. We have, um, Commissioner, a service... Um, location and current services available. I think it was last updated in 2016, 17, and we are in the process of updating it now. Um, hopefully it'll be, it'll come out later so that we are, think every time, every month we have a meeting, things change slightly sometimes. So that is the goal is to be as current as possible, but that it does take a little bit of information. So it'll be a little bit of time. And it will be in different uh, languages? Oh, that is an excellent question. Um, that is something I will look into. I don't have an answer right now, but that is an excellent question. I will follow up with you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Any other comments or questions, Commission? Any other general comments from the public? <coughs> Hearing none, any announcements? No announcements. Motion to adjourn. So By moved. Rising vote. <laughs> Thank you very much. Go TV.